Give me your top five all-time women's hoopers. Man, my answer changes all the time. Um, so Diana Taurasi, Maya Moore, couldn't agree with you more on Maya. Um, um, they're in there for sure. Um, sometimes I put Stewie, Brianna Stewart in there. Sometimes I don't, only because she's like current. She just like, went crazy. Yeah, but you can't, this can't be a UConn starting five, though. Yes. I know. That's, and and <laughs> it's not? like, but tell me where I'm wrong. Like, tell me. No, this is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life. And that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Of the game. What's up, y'all? Welcome back. Another episode of Point Forward. I'm Andre. Y'all know E.T. E.T., you had a very um, eventful weekend last week um, as you ended our last episode and where you were headed, um, which was very, very um, comical. Um, but you were at the Roots Picnic in the great city of Philadelphia. And so um, checking in, how was it? Man, it was, I'm not going to lie. I actually enjoyed myself this weekend. The Dave Chappelle was type crazy. I linked up with Lou Will. Afterwards, we connected with Chuck Ellis. They had an R&B party. Genuine performed for like 25 minutes. And this is like oh. one of the only few spaces, I think, at that time where Genuine would have hit. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. no like people yeah. laughing at him, genuine. It was like, everybody was like, man, this is just a, it was, it was a good moment in time. Good to hear. Went back, ordered Wawa early, super you early. You order Wawa now? What? On Postmates, yes. So I went wow. there, did my thing, you know what I mean? Got me a little hoagie and all that. Finesse, woke up. Um, then went to the concert, bro. So I was able to see state property. I was mm. able to see, uh, the Isley Brothers. Then I saw Lil Uzi Vert. That I was like cool. Lil Uzi. And then I waited an uh, hour and a half after Lil Uzi Vert got off stage for the Queen Lauren Hill. That's 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 a short period. An hour and a half is like fifteen minutes to her. Yeah, but it was like it was like man, it was like yeah. sixty degrees out outside by then. You know, oh, it was cold. It was it, it was pretty cold out there. Mm. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to. Uh, Mark something off my bucket list, man, and see uh, see Lauren. She brought out the Fugees and everybody, and uh, you know, I got to hear her sing Zion. Mm. You know, what I'm saying in person, I got uh, it, it was everything about it was worth the wait. I'll say that, bro. It was, nice. it was unbelievable, bro. Like she came out, people were asking like, "What she? She was dressed like Maleficent, but it was <laughs> like not in a funny way. Like if you if you if you remove yourself from me saying Maleficent." Now, think about if you waited years to see Lauren Hill. That would be the outfit I expected her to be in. You know what I mean? I think you could have come up with a better description. No, she looked like Maleficent. <laughs> I remember when somebody asked me, I'm like, thank the Lord I thought of that movie, Maleficent. She's out there looking like Maleficent. But it was lit, bro. It was, it was, it was bro, it was everything, bro. I know, um, obviously, you don't like to lead a crib and shit, but you, you missed out on this weekend. I was doing something. Oh, well, never mind. Shout out to uh, Frank Iguodala. I know you was up in the building seeing history. Shout out to uh, Staff Shakur. Pure, pure feel. Oh, I was at the event. I had a big event this weekend. Oh, it was oh, incredible. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Perfect. 
Uh, we got some interesting topics. We're going to talk a little bit more about golf. Uh, E.T., I got a lot to talk to you about golf. So um, even if you're not a golf fan, you're going to want to hear about what's happening like in real time right now. Um, so we're, we're trying to keep up. Um, but before all that and this week's interview, which I'm really excited about, this is where we remind you to look out for us on TikTok, IG, YouTube and the usuals. At Point Forward. Also, make sure y'all catching us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Point Forward. Et, we've been talking about this. You know, when everyone's talking about this, even outside of the golfers. Yeah, that's real. I'm low key outside the golfer for real too. I'm still, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. Even I mean, even people that don't even like you've put in some uh, work. Yeah. You put yeah, in some work. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I, I didn't done it before, but I ain't a pro. You feel me? You know, I got gotcha. to find my strokes, that type shit. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. The PGA Tour has agreed to merge with Saudi backed, with the Saudi backed, I shouldn't say live, but they're essentially merging with Live Golf. And so it's the People's Investment Fund, PIF, who backed Live Golf. So they're partnering with them just to clarify from Rory McIlroy, as he says, he still hates Live Golf. Uh, oh, but wow. this is, yes, he's, he, he had an interesting um, interview early, early Wednesday morning. Um, the PGA Tour has agreed to merge with Saudi back rival Live Golf in a deal that would see the competitor squash pending litigation and move forward as a larger golf enterprise. The two entities signed an agreement that would combine the PGA Tour and Live Golf's commercial businesses and rights into a new yet to be named for profit company. I, I, I spoke on this a few times um, and I should also include the agreement includes DP World Tour, also known as the European PGA Tour. And when you talk about for profit, but the mm -hmm. PJ Tour was non-for-profit um, setup, so now it's for-profit. Um, you're getting a lot of that Saudi money that's going in there. Um, you know, there was a lot of pending litigation between the two. It all goes back to us. We've covered this many a times, right? And we were saying, what side would you be on? And throughout many of our episodes, we've crack them jokes here and there and you know whose side you with it's almost like bloods and crips like for real like yeah. it's gotten that yeah. serious with um you know i said they had lobbyists on both sides and you know um jay monahan who's the commissioner yeah. to the exact date of june the 6th i want to say what? his words were i'm i apologize and i feel sad for all the 9 11 victims because he was like he put he placed blame on Saudi um, the Saudi crew uh, PIF for being involved with 9/11 and the Twin Towers going down and now he's saying the players are joining those who did that all this yeah. all everything that they just this package of bad hate and yeah he took yeah he took the blueprint of like the American government and just spilled it out to us and put it into the, the media so like. That's when you, that's when like it's moments where you be like people don't know what you're talking about. It's like that's when you can't forget that shut the fuck up card because at the end of the day, but no, it's it's crazy. There's people who are out of hundreds of millions, eight hundred million dollars, this that, and the other, all because the deal wasn't sweet enough for them to be part of. And when it comes down to it, they're gonna do another letter, folk letter, whatever, bring up whatever it is, and then try to move on happily, and then. The fat fucks that can't play golf are going to split the bigger part of it. And then the people that do it, it's going to do that, bro. It's all a, a heist. 
There's nothing, there's nothing to justify after everything they said about it. Now they're partnering. There, there should be like donkey of the day. There should be like every time you bring that up the same way. It should be like LeBron level tight. Or LeBron, remember when you said this? I knew this. I knew, like whatever it is, it should be clowned. And it's supposed to be like yeah. a gentleman's sport, right? Golf is known as a gentleman's sport, country yeah. club sport, like something you lay morals onto. This is basically what you deal with with behind the walls of like the country club. Finesse, 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 full of shit. And then when it comes down to the chicken, take it off. And so I'm going to, uh, this is what I want to break down to you because you already know. And so I want to, I want to hear your, 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 your spiel on this. I have said And so, no, no, because it's, it's deeper than rap, you know, as we yeah. like to say, it's because it, it, it was almost like you had to pick a side. Right. And so I think what Jay Monahan was doing, who's the commissioner of the PGA tour, he was trying to protect the PGA tour. And so he had, he, it was like he put out, it was like a scare tactic to, to get the players on the PGA tour from converting to the other side. And then they would say, it's about money. It's about money. You're taking, you're taking yeah. bad money. You're taking oil money. This is, this is sports washing. And yeah. I'm, that's the first time I'm hearing about sports washing when this happened. And so I'm looking into it and it's like, okay, you have a, you know, you have a, a government um, that's set up, and it's not a democracy. Um, and, you know, there's not equal rights to all, to everyone. You know, women are looked at as a, uh, they come lower on the totem pole, all these things. And they're saying sports washing is a way to invest in things, to attract people to, you know, for tourism or to uh, turn a blind eye to the way your government is set up with your laws and so on and so forth. And so this place was just like, the lobbyists for the PGA tour were just on it. and trying to get people or scaring them to join live. Some guys took 200 million, like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, a yeah. hundred million plus, um, you know, uh, Brooks Kepka, he's on a show full swing talking yeah. about it. A tough decision for him. He was losing his golf swing. You know, in golf, it's something yeah. called the yips. And I talk yeah. about the yips with you a lot. Imagine mm -hmm. one of the top shooters in the NBA just can't shoot anymore. It's like Steph Curry becoming uh, Chuck Hayes. Now, I'm not trying to be funny, but that's what the yips oh, are. No, no. Yeah, yeah. So, like we said, the legend of Bagger Vance is basically right. Yeah. Right. And so Brooks Kepka thought his game was gone. Like he's really going through it mentally, physically. He's got a few injuries. And so he had, he took the money. He's like, I never, I don't know if I'm going to be able to win another golf tournament, let alone make a cut. Mm -hmm. He took a hundred and hundred something million. Uh, Cam Smith was on the fence and he won the US, he won the British Open. They call it the Open. Took it from Rory. I was, I was sick, but I had yeah. me. Cam Smith killed it. it could, he did it right before he, before he negotiated the deal, right? Boom, 120, yeah. 140. And yeah. so, you know, even Harold Varner III, who, you know, he might have one or two wins on tour, maybe one, but he was like known as the black golfer on tour, which was, you know, sad to say he doesn't want to be known as that, but that's just the reality of it, right? And so he took some money, 30, 40 million. He's like, look, this is a life altering opportunity. Like it's about yeah, the money. Like I'm not going to lie. And I think certain players like, Phil Mickelson was treated a certain way because he was at the forefront of getting guys to convert over. And so you had, I sent you this this morning, ET, and this is what, this is what kind of took me out when I sent it to you. Uh, and so those guys went and now Rory McIlroy was a face of the PGA tour, setting up meetings with their guys and they changed 
the way it's like the NBA changes rules to uh, engage, you know, the public or get people to watch yeah. more, just like the play in tournament yeah, where yeah. our dead period is around November, uh, late October, early November, throughout November, we have a dead period in viewership. It, it kicks up around Christmas. And so they're going to put the play in tournament to get some you know energy around the league. Right. And so the PGA changed their rules to have elevated tournaments, meaning like we're going to have eight to 10 tournaments a year that all the top players, you have to be there, but we're going to raise the stakes and we're going to pay more, way more. And there's no cut. So you're going to make money regardless if you play good or not. And so they changed all these rules to try to, you know, but it hurt the low end players who didn't have access because they don't have access to the higher end tournaments. And this all happened because of live golf and all the money. So the PGA had a counter, but Tiger Woods was reportedly offered 800 million. Roy McIlroy was allegedly offered 400 million. John Rahm, 400 million. Hideki Matsuyama, 300 million. That was a big one because he's a Japanese golfer. I think he was the yeah. first one to win the Masters. Uh, 2022 ish, 2021 ish, some, somewhere around there, he won the yeah. Masters. Kalamara Kara offered 100 million. Will Zalatoris, who just had back surgery this year, he may not be able to be himself ever again, offered 100 million. And those guys all stay loyal to the PGA Tour. Fast forward 365 days. They merge. It didn't even take a decade. It didn't even take three years, four years, a decade. That's that, that's what you, like, I would say go sue, but like, that's what you're oh. asking for being a company, man. That was the oh. stupidest shit on earth, bro. That's oh dumbest, my God. It, like, like, and, then, <laughs> and then like Minahan, like Minahan is cool, but he's not your dad, nor like, is he an economist? Like, is he a finance advisor? Like, he does golf. Anybody tells you reject all that money is is because they're not part of the deal. I don't know what else to say. I would say like, yo, it's ridiculous, but like that's what your dumb ass get for being a company. It was it was just the part that upset me the most was I'm a big golf fan and like Dustin Johnson, like I love seeing him play golf. And um, you know, Liv took them a while to get a TV deal. They finally on CW, which never has sports. And it was interesting watching it. You know, it was a different style of viewing golf. But I, I enjoy watching Dustin Johnson. Bruce Kepka and I text, like, consider him a good friend. Like, you know, we never play golf together. But, like, when I see him, that's my man. You know, so I got I know guys on both sides. And just the energy towards those guys was insane. Like, they turned their back on our, their yeah. country. It was almost like if you're a white person and you want to know what it's to, like to be black – Join Live Golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, because you're you going to be brokered too and discriminated against. And you're going to no, see exactly no. what it's like. Like, here, Man. this part right here. You mean get out the bucket? No, don't do that. <laughs> Stay in the bucket, big dog. Why would you want to leave this bucket with the rest of the crabs? Man. Minahan, I hope they gave you a raise, my, my guy, because the captain no, you did. You literally, and only person that what you just said he brought in, you got to be, it is true patriotism to bring in that ignorance to stop guys from going over and crossing over and take a better ideal and something in regards to as stupid as the game of golf. Yeah. 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 It, it's, 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 it's insane. But I, I, they had it. The, the craziest Tiger, part is. Your, Tiger's your goat. He ain't my goat no more. Man. Like, that's wild. Who your goat? I don't know. Who, who, who switched over? Dustin, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson would be your goat. Like Dustin. No, you sure. were like Brooks. You were like Brooks and DJ. You were like yeah. those guys. They could and, then the, and then the Golden Bear. Because we've been in these situations where 
you know, we've been in meetings with our union. We've seen um, a, remo- a removal of uh, the figurehead of our union before. And, you know, whatever happened in that situation, there were lawsuits there as well. Um, but none of the players knew this was coming. And Colin Marikawa, like I said, he was offered $100 million. He tweeted, uh, what was it, Tuesday morning. I just found out on Twitter like the rest of y'all. None of the players knew. Yeah, bro. That and point exactly. That's what you get for being it. That's play exactly like that because that's what you do with dummies. So you get rid of Monahan. I'm not not even getting if you, rid of if you if you if you if you are if you're a crew of players who stayed and you lost out on a nine figure deal. Yeah. And my- the and the players on the lower end were pushed out of certain events because they had to combat against Liv. Do we see some talk? Because there were talks about they were angry. You know, do you, is this a Billy Hunter situation? I mean, it's got to be a Billy Hunter, but at the same time, dog, <laughs> nobody told you to say no to $100 million. <laughs> what are we doing? This is America. I, had very, I remember when I was in Boston and after my two years, like, you could take a hometown deal. I'm like, yeah, maybe. And I'm like, nigga, I'm not from here. And then I met <laughs> <laughs> Then I met with my, my, my mentor and he's just like, bro, you're not taking no damn hometown deal. He's like, I'm, it's five different billionaires that own that team. Literally, make them pay what they're going to pay you and call it a day. If not, this is a business. Go where the money's at. I mean, what do you put Manahan, whatever his name in the Hall of Fame, bro. He literally just told a bunch of grown men who are in business for money to not take money. All because you're right. that's what they legacy. Like people remember you past 10 minutes anyways. True story. Arnold Palmer's only around because the drink is lit. Don't nobody know who the hell Arnold Palmer is. You know what I mean? Oh, you know what's funny? A funny story about that, what you just said. So Victor Hoblin won a tournament and after the tournament, he's next to Jack because Jack's the host of the tournament. Yeah. And they were... uh He's from Norway, I want to say he's from Norway. And they were asking him, how does it feel to be a Norwegian winning this tournament with Jack? And he was like, no offense, Jack. I hope this doesn't hurt your ego, but no one has any idea who you are, where I'm from. We all play soccer and it's freezing cold. (laughs) 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 But you see Jack's response was he didn't know how to respond. Like, wait, who are you talking? You know who I am? And he's like, like, I I know who you are, but where I come from, don't nobody know who you are. (laughs) Like you said, (laughs) after 10 minutes, it's a wrap. But yours is different though, too, though. That's the, it's, it's bigger plays for certain people. Like, you know what I mean? Like your, yours, I wouldn't, it's like with Marcus Smart. I would tell Marcus Smart to never leave Boston. Even when he complained this and the other, say, no, you're better off being in Boston anywhere else. True. In regards to the name popping legacy wise, there's just, there'll be a space for you years and decades down the line. Not everybody's like that. You feel me? I can dig it. Point forward. It's perfect segue. So speaking of where I was this past weekend, while you were enjoying the great city of brotherly love and Lauren Hill, I was at the launch of the National Women's Soccer League's new franchise, Bay Area FC uh, or BFC. And it was an incredible event. Um, we were expecting, I think someone said it was about 500 people we expecting a crowd of and it turned out to be 6,000 people oh, incredible wow. yeah incredible man like it was it was it was a beautiful day and on that That's side dope. of San on that side of San Fran the sun um, 
I like hides a lot. Like it's normally cloudy and it gets a little cold over there with the microclimate, but we were right by the Golden Gate Bridge, um, the beautiful park. We had uh, food trucks everywhere. We had the founding members. The founding members of the team, we probably got the best founding team in all the sports because they reflect, um, you know, they're former soccer players from the Bay Area. And and we always talk about this as athletes. How often do you see, you know, the actually the athletes running franchises? And I think that's really like the essence of women's yeah. soccer. You're seeing a lot of former soccer players who were kind of yeah. at the forefront of, you know, the stardom or raising the profile of women's soccer. So we got Brandy Chastain, uh, who had one of the more iconic uh, moments in all the sports. 1999 World Cup. Uh, women's national soccer team and she had the uh, winning penalty kick and she took off her shirt and slid and, and everyone you know gathered around her and so it was just uh, that beautiful moment and then you you know fast forward 24 years and and, and relaunching um, you know a sport that's growing in our country and you know she laid the foundation for a women's soccer boom that you know led directly to this moment. And so I was really, really excited to be around them. Strong founding team, um, Sixth Street Capital and Alan Waxman, who I know um, just through networking and, um, you know, doing some business deals with, but he's super excited about it. You know, he sold me on the idea. Um, I've been doing a lot of homework on women's sports in general, but women's soccer. Obviously, we talk about the, the W a lot, um, especially with our guest today. And just the um, the World Cup lately, um, the boom of the, the the viewership and the attendance selling out large arenas. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. I'll be at a lot of the games. You know, you got a little girl. I got a, a little girl, uh, a big girl too, um, in age, not in size. I'm working on those adjectives on how to describe women. My wife's been on me. But um, this is a super exciting moment. We had a great out, a, a, a great outcome in terms of the uh, folks that showed up. And, you know, it was a good moment. I'm, I got to have you come out to some games. Like, it's going to be super lit. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'll pull up. Did you go to any soccer games while at Ohio, Ohio State? State? Yeah. Yeah, I went. Yeah. Yeah, I went to a few. Actually, my year, the girls went to the Final Four that year. We were oh, dope. Yeah, we were, pretty, we were pretty tight with the soccer team. Shout out to uh, Cassie Dickerson, Lauren Stoyer. Actually, Cassie Dick- Dickerson just graduated from Cal Berkeley today. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, nice. Nice, but, nice, 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 nice. Yeah, other than that, nothing too crazy. I go to the Columbus Crew games. That's men's soccer. Probably Nice arena cool. out there. Yeah, yeah, super, very nice, nice. arena. So, yeah, yeah, uh, super dope arenas. Yeah, I'll be around. So yeah, shout out! I want to shout out my girls, uh, Althea Gibson and Venetia Bailey. Uh, they, those were my two roommates my sophomore year of college, and you know how you chauvinistic guys out there get like you're rooming with two girls. What's that life like? What's going on? But I was so focused rooming with two female athletes, like they were locked in, and we kind of it was funny because we kind of didn't see each other as much like early in the year we did. And then late in the year before I left, we did, but early on, like their soccer season started at the beginning of the school year. Yeah. And then when they were done, we were full in basketball season. So it was just a quiet, it was a quiet, good house. And um, yeah, if I ever need some soccer advice, I'm calling (laughs) my two girls. Um, We'll be joining this league next season, 2024. um, And it should be the 12th year of the uh, NWSL. And uh, currently there's 12 teams. We just got in with the Utah team, uh, which is the Utah Royals. They were in the league for two years from 18 to 20. And then I'm returning. And I think uh, Boston, I think, is um, 
the next team that will probably get in. That's a great market to be in too. And then another mm-hmm. thing I learned throughout this process, because um, I was doing a lot of deep dives, the Bay Area has the highest penetration of female professional soccer players. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so cool. it was always like, why why haven't we had a team here? But then doing some homework on that again, you know, just to give some people some insight on, you know, the data points that I look at from time to time on whatever I'm investing in is that um, the reason why they didn't have a team was because the salaries were lower because there was a league a while ago, 20, 30 years ago, there was a team and there was a team in the Bay. There was a different soccer league for women's and it was very hard to get women to play here because the cost of living is so high. Yeah, for sure. And then and so, so much money. Yeah. The economics don't work out. You know, you can't yeah. get free agencies. You know, it, you know, we, we had a really good we have a really good conversation with our guests today and we talk about that, you know, the difference between making one money in one place versus another, this country versus that country, and starts to make sense. But it was uh, economically, it didn't work early on. But now the viewership's up, the TV deals are going to go up. Um, I'm going to switch t- subjects right now, ET. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Messi's deal? Yeah, what was the deal? Like oh he said no to the Saudi team. God. The only thing I'm ready for. Messi coming to Miami don't even Messi seem Messi going bro. to Miami. This is about to turn up. Okay, How much so is it, bro? A billion? I'm about to tell you. It, the so city? there's not. So I think if he would have went to Saudi, he probably, I think he was going to be there two years, like three, four hundred million for two years, three, four hundred million a piece. So this was like two years, six to eight hundred million. It was something insane, right? And the deal he took, no one th- saw this coming. Absolutely no one saw this coming. And the reason why I switched subjects is because I'm talking about TV deals. Apple has all the MLS games. And I know some folks at Apple. Let me see if I can pull off this uh, women's soccer deal with Apple as well. They might as well take over the whole sport in America. So MLS has put together an unprecedented deal to sign Messi to enter Miami. I want to say Milan. Yeah. The offer now includes ET. Can you hear me? I'm listening. A percentage of profit share from Adidas, who makes the jerseys, oh, right? Because wow. you know everybody gonna have a messy. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar yeah. and what's his little cousin name? Baby Keem. They talking about uh, one's Messi and one's um, Neymar. 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 He Neymar. says uh, one's Messi, the other one's Neymar. So everybody's gonna have that messy jersey. Everybody in America is gonna have yeah, a no, Miami no, it's our, soccer yeah, jersey, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. And so remember Michael Jordan had his own uh, collective, uh, he had his yeah. own licensing deal. Yeah, and he sold everything at Michael Jordan, uh, Michael and Jordan so, restaurant. Yeah, that's crazy. Messi's, that in, Messi's entering a similar deal with Adidas, it sounds like. He also gets a percentage of profit share from Apple's league pass. This is from Apple. So what's it gonna be worth then? Like, And I ain't done yet. <laughs> The acquisition of a part of Inter Miami shares after he retires. Everything is on the table. Wow. Damn, that's crazy. Good for Messi, bro. I, I believe that's that's that I believe that's after seeing what happened after the World Cup and all, he can't leave the house, like I believe yep. his value is solidified. That is mm-hmm. uh who Who's like as famous as an athlete as Messi? If you break what what he did in Argentina, where literally the whole city was like watching, like the whole country is watching the game, everything like that, like yeah, 
I couldn't walk out and like go outside and everything. Like they like even, like like God. Like he they probably would kneel down and if you, if he needed to get somewhere, they's like don't touch the ground. Walk on our backs. That's how lit it was. That's wild. Messi yeah. is for sure bigger than Brian. Yeah, he's a yeah. It's like um, Bad Bunny is bigger than Drake, and most Americans don't know that. Yeah, I mean, I understand how they don't know that, but that's that's dumb. Because you know, we don't like we don't like entrenching ourselves in other cultures, so we will never learn other languages. So we don't respect Mm -hmm. that. That's the problem. That's the problem we have. It's true. Also, niggas don't got passports neither. So we're not going. (laughs) (laughs) You can say all you want, bro. Like, like, I'm just saying. You said we're like entrenching ourselves. Like, nah, bro, it's a lie. It went back. It went. It went from we can't swim to we can't. We don't have passports. Uh, I hear you, bro. I dig you, but you saying we like. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, let's not. You know, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I'm an advocate for it. Let's not go that far. It's a reason. It's a great, a great point. Ernest made. Uh, shout out, Ernest. Uh, his uh, Argentina is way closer to Miami than Saudi. Yeah, you know, I know Cristiano probably because I always heard Cristiano was supposed to go to the New York Football Club. He's in Portugal, He's, right? Yeah, but but I heard this like a while ago. But like, shit. When I heard. I'm not, I mean, like, bringing it up. But when I heard Messi coming to, like, Miami, it almost felt, like, unreal. Like, not saying, like, not even close. Not saying God coming, but I was like, damn, G, like, Messi's mm-hmm. about to be, like, right down there in, like, question Miami, for you. Miami playing football. That's OD. I got a question for you. This is your, this is your area of expertise. You've been, you've been deep diving in real estate, right? And... Yeah. We saw the LeBron effect in Cleveland in terms yeah, of the economy. You know, you know the the value of land moves when LeBron's there versus not. Mm, you know, Miami like that's gonna that. be Dubai. So you think you think Messi will because the prices went crazy in the pandemic because everybody was moving my, to Miami. You think they're gonna keep moving because he down there? I think I I think so, bro. Everybody loves Messi, dog. Wow, this is this is interesting. They saying. It's currently cheaper to go to Game Three, the NBA Finals in Miami, with an average price of four hundred and sixteen dollars, than it it is to go to the debut game of Messi's Inter Milan Inter Miami game against Cruz Azul, which is averages four hundred and eighty two dollars a ticket. It's a regular game, bro. Everybody's going, bro. And when you break down when soccer occurs, it's like the nicest time. People are going to go see Messi, bro. It's going to be OD. If Messi can get people from Miami to come to a game on they're time, he's different. I believe they're going, bro. Wow. I believe they're going. It's Messi, bro. Wow. All that right. Price, they said that price went up from $13 to $482 in two hours. Oh, wow. And then, if they, like they said, if they, put a, if they put a club at the stadium... Shit, I'm gonna be a season ticket holder. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like um, it's gonna be like sections of a Las Vegas club when somebody come in and I'm putting fifty thousand dollars down on one section of a club to party for three hours. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be like I can already see a demographic. It's gonna be like a couple. But black they but they moving us they moving us out they they moving us out of Miami though. You can believe that. No, I believe that. F one the boats. Yeah. Yeah. The the DeSantis, they taking away our history. <laughs> yeah, bro. My, Miami might not be part of America in a minute. It's going to be its own country. Brain, yeah. <laughs> Point forward. E.T., we, we've 
we, we I've, I've dropped the ball on our tech coverage, but this was a big one. You know, we both got our uh, Air Max pods on now. I don't even know what you call it. What do you call it? Air Max pods, right? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a goofy dude headphone. Oh, these are it right here. And so um, <laughs> Apple has just unveiled their mixed reality headset. And um, I've been... I've been having Apple stock for like 15 years. Like my Apple stock is going crazy. Um, they just dropped their mixed reality headset, which is called the um, Apple Vision Pro. And when I say mixed reality, mixed is AR, augmented reality, and VR, virtual reality. VR is essentially like your video game like you're in an immersive world and you're somewhere else. It feels like you're somewhere else. Augmented reality is you put on these lenses, but you're still in your physical space. So, you know, I'm in my office right now. There's books around me. I put on these this uh, headset. I can still see yeah. the books, but then I can also bring in the virtual world in front of me and place it wherever I would like. And okay. I took a trip. I took a trip to Magic Leap um, in 2016. Uh, after we played uh, the next day, after we played the Heat, and it was sixteen or seventeen, and I got I went to their campus, and this was the first time I saw augmented reality. It was some of the most incredible things, innovative things I've ever seen. And so the headset there was really big, like it weighed like ten pounds. And so my head's back, and I'm like, I can't move as well. Like you, yeah, that's not like you, comfortable, right? right? And so yeah. they said eventually it's going to get to you know, eventually it's going to be a pair of these, right? These glasses. And so I thought they were going to be first to market. They've raised over a billion dollars so far, and they haven't dropped right. the product yet. They haven't dropped the product yet. And so, um, you know, Apple is always one of the more innovative companies. They're always, they're one of the better companies at not leaking anything. So these reality headsets are going to be, um, I think they're going to be game changer. But it's interesting because um, Meta, which is formerly known as Facebook, um, they own WhatsApp and they own Instagram. They have their Quest and they're on like version three of Quest. And they've been riding the wave of Apple announcing their headsets. And uh, folks have been saying it's like Meta is the AR VR version of a BlackBerry compared to what Apple has come out with. Like I've seen the demos, like you can do so many things. Productivity is what it's really for. And so you can have like, think about having, you know, how we got browsers on your computer and yeah, you got to move yeah, one up and down. Yeah. They can yeah. all be placed in front of you. You can all access them at the same time. So they're all there, you know, late night, dark, you can put a big TV screen. They have a deal with Disney. Disney's going to have all their content on there. Like you can, you can build a screen however large you want it. So it's like, you got a movie, you can have a movie theater in your crib now, you know, you can live in 500 square feet and, Manhattan, you paying you know five million dollars for you can get a movie theater in, that, in there now, and so there's so many different things you can do. Um, it's thirty five hundred dollars though. Meanwhile, the Quest is five hundred dollars, and that's tough. That's one thing too about like Nike and Apple that we all just run and jump to and everything. It's like the Quest thing been out for years, and I, I've never even seen anybody have a conversation about it besides if they had one on. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. Now Apple drops and then, you know, the sheep come. And, you know, like I said the other day when I posted on my social media, I'm buying these are going to take me to the next level of goofy. You know what I mean? Because it's like 3,500. It's going, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's right. just a, it's a flex thing to really have, to be honest with you. 
I'm flexing. <laughs> now, I hear you rock, man, until they start doing them, them special FaceTime type things. And now, you know what I mean? Now everything's everywhere. It's going to be lit. So me, yeah. and you, it's, it's funny because we're going to do the pie from the Vision Pros from now on. So we're going to have yeah. special act, special content for anybody that's got the Vision Pros. How about that? Catch me outside. I'm, I'm down with that. Let's get it. Let's rock. Point forward. All right, y'all. We know a lot of y'all been waiting for this one. And uh, we're, we're really excited to bring it to you. One of the greatest players of all time. We've been speaking about Messi, and this is right there on its parallel, right there on that level. A four-time WNBA champion, a two-time NCAA champion, a five-time EuroLeague champion. I know a lot of y'all don't have your passports, like ET said. Also a five-time Olympic champion. Yes, that's five times. That's 20 years. 20 years, five different Olympics. And a hero in the movement for equality and women's sports. I bring to you the Sue Bird. What's up, y'all? Um, excited about uh, today's episode. Today we are joined by a true hoops legend in every sense of the word legend, one of the greatest players of all time, four-time WNBA champion, two-time NCAA champion, five-time EuroLeague champion, five-time Olympic champion. Wow. Yes, five times and a hero in the movement for equality and women's sports. E.T. likes to say the Ohio State. Well, this is one of those instances where we say the again, the Sue Bird. Welcome to Point Forward. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being on. Appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. I think we might be more excited than you. Actually. Well, until you shouted out the Ohio State, I was like, oh, God. And he has the shirt on. Oh, yeah, I got it. And I got to hear it all the time. Come on. Hey, it, it, you are who you are. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I can't complain. It could be worse. I could have been uh, went to Michigan or something. <laughs> uh, we just started the uh, WNBA season uh, recently. And uh, you're in a different type of seat. Yep. What type of what type of seat are we in now? Oh man! Well, we're in two different types of seats. We're mm -hmm. in courtside seat. That was my my vantage point on uh, opening day for the Storm. I mm -hmm. went to the Storm, played the Aces. It did not go well for my former team. That's okay. Um, it was weird being on that side, but also mm -hmm. felt very peaceful. I feel so good about the decision, and that was kind of like. That was kind of like, I keep saying nail in the coffin. It's like a morbid way of saying it, but that was like the final hurdle of like, how do you feel about this retirement? Like going to a game was like mm -hmm. that final moment of like, all right, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. Um, but I do work with Corona and we're doing this like fun sweepstakes for people. Um, they can go on IG. I think it's the week of June 7th, hashtag some things. Um, and there's actually a finer recliner that is, that has been made. It's kind of like mm -hmm. an ode to my retirement so that's the other seat that I'm pushing right now. <laughs> you got any extras? <laughs> <laughs> there's five. <laughs> oh, there's five. I'll see what I can do, though. Okay. Um, well, it's exclusive. I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to. I haven't announced it, it, They put me in the grave early. You know, E.T. and yeah. I were uh, laughing about this uh, last week, uh, a, a couple episodes ago, where my announced my retirement was announced by 
the new fake media, which is the new internet. Um, but it's always up for consideration. And so- um, I was gonna say, nothing official's happening. Though. Nothing official's happened, but between you and I, I'm gonna be taking a lot of advice today. So I'm okay. holding on to every word you say. ET's gonna have fun this episode, whereas I'm taking life experiences and I'm gonna uh, try to tap into to that world. So I'm understanding that the first game that I watch after retirement will will tell the yeah, cool story. Yeah, it'll, it'll it'll take your temperature a little bit, you know, because it'll be presumably if you retire, it'll be like months after that. Maybe, maybe who knows? Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like I retired. Well, I announced during the season, so gotcha. it was like it was like a definite. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, gotcha. yeah. So it was like I was definitely done, and then I had months in the off season to kind of like see how I feel, new schedule, new life, new routine. But everybody was kind of stressing me out. They were like, oh, but how are you going to feel when the season starts? Mm-hmm. And I was like, shoulder shrug, I don't know, find out. And then I was cool. So, <laughs> I mean, that's good to hear because Larry Fitzgerald, uh, who's a big golfer, and um, I finally was able to pick up a golf club uh, like yesterday. Um, but he was telling me, never retire. And I'm thinking to myself, it hurts. I'm at the point now where I'm basketball like, retire hurts. immediately. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. This is true, but I want to, you know, I really want to tap in because, you know, we'll get into your, you know, your accolades and everything you've done on and off the court. Um, but you know, I, I like talking about off the court endeavors, and I think the new athlete has taken advantage of, you know, the opportunities um, that were never available to us before. And you know, we got to think, we got to thank those that came before us that you know paved this path and you've obviously paved the path the way you have, you know, I want to talk about, you know, the, sh- the show you and uh, Diana Taurasi have, um, yeah. which is hilarious. Wow. And I want to know how you get away with what you get away with. But uh, before I get into that, I do want to talk about Corona. So um, I've always been afraid of uh, any alcohol beverage, like my whole life, uh, yeah. just because the stigma is be- behind anything that is not healthy for you as an athlete, I've always ran from. But mm-hmm. um you know, and we're pretty candid here on point four. Corona, it was the drink choice of African-Americans where I come from. So mm-hmm. if there is a, something I'm going to drink, I'm going to grab a Corona. I think they put limes in it, too. So uh, you got to flip it upside down and put your, yeah, yeah. Your, na- your nasty finger up in there. And yeah. then, you know, the good old routine. I have, a, I have another way for you to try it, though. I never I heard lo- of this. Yeah, I, w- I would love to know because it does. This finger goes through a lot. So, so throughout the day. So. It's so funny. I use my thumb, but basically take the lime, put it like go around the rim with it and then get some salt and salt the rim. Then put the lime in. If you don't want to stick your finger, ask the person next to you, I guess. I <laughs> then put the lime in and then lick and drink. This is a crazy next description level. of. I know. I know this could go in a lot of directions. Like so we're reminding reset. people that we're reminding y'all that we're talking about uh, drinking the beer for all <laughs> you adults out there. You asked how we get away with it. This is how you just do it. So, so, so I want to dive into that. You know, how has it been, you know, with that part of the transition? Because, you know, we're in the media space, Evan and I are now. And uh, you and Diana seem to have one of the top shows on ESPN. So how did that come about? I know you've had that close relationship with her for a while. Um, But how did that come about? And then how do you, you know, how do you treat that project? You know, is it fun or do you do deep dives? Does it take a lot of your brain space? Like what's that transition been like? Yeah. um, Kind of all of the above. Like, so this past final four, we've only done it for the women's final four. 
this past final four was only the second year. Mm-hmm. So it's still, it's new, it's fresh because it's only once a year. I think that gives it like this unique kind of must see TV mm-hmm. vibe to it. Um, especially when in year one, Diana was saying all kinds of wild stuff. I, it just, you know, it took on a lot of, went, went a lot of different directions. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think what was cool was year one was so special in that it was new. We didn't know what we were doing. They just like threw us in front of the camera and we're like, go. And so now all of a sudden, and you guys know as athletes, like we're all very good at being interviewed. But it's like this totally different thing, you know, and we had no idea what we were doing, but I think that was actually part of what pulled people in. We were just being ourselves and we Mm -hmm. do go way back where we're like legitimately, like genuinely best friends, went to college together, played overseas together, Olympics together, the whole nine yards. And so we have like our interaction is very authentic. And so a lot of people would come up and say how they felt like they were sitting on the couch with us watching the game. And I think that's what gives it, that's where the special sauce is in terms of, of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by year two, we did a little, we got a little more serious. We were like, all right, like let's prepare for these guests. Like, <laughs> whereas the year before we just like, we literally were winging it. We had no idea what we were doing. And this year we prepared a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. but still like the, the spontaneity of it. Like we had little Wayne <laughs> yeah. come on all of a sudden. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you just kind of have to go with it. Um, and that's what makes it, you know, that's where the viral videos come from. Just kind of those like spontaneous moments, but we had a great time doing, it. I hope, I hope we're able to continue to do it. Yeah. You just scratched the surface, uh, you know, in regards to that on what you do for women's sports. Does that stem from, you know, the conversation you had with Gino your sophomore year when he said everything that goes wrong out there is your fault. Did you kind of set that tone for the rest of everything? Like, yo, I'm going to play 20 out of 27 years in the WNBA. Then I'm going to cross over and go do this and, you know, and bring a lot more attention to, you know, the little girls of the world and, you know, their talents. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Um, I mean, in college, it's like you're kind of just like figuring out like who you are as a person, like not even not even just like in all the ways, you know, like forget standing up for other people. Like you're trying to figure out who you are. And when he had those early conversations with me, um, I think he like, he's really, what makes him special. I always joke with him. I'm like, it's not your X's and O's buddy. It's not that. (laughs) (laughs) But he does have this, it's a little bit of that, but he does have this just innate, unique way of like tapping into people, like seeing them for who they are and like tapping into that and pulling it out. And for me, I think what he saw was someone who I got along with everybody and I was a little shy when I was younger and he was just trying to connect, like, listen, everybody does look to you, listen to you. And now you have to like step into that. And that's kind of where the, so everything that goes wrong is your fault. Came, came yeah. um, but I really started to believe in that and like embody that. And, you know, like I said, when you're that age, it's this foundation, you're figuring yourself out. And that's a big part of my foundation, like my, the foundation of my character that, that I took with me. And then it became through, through time, through experience, through years, just easier to speak on tougher issues, easier to, you know, because I knew myself, I could, I could help others and kind of lend that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got a question on UConn. So, um, you know, you got certain universities well, known for football schools. And then you got certain universities that are known for basketball schools. And uh, ET, who are we joking with? Uh, who we had on our guest about basketball, and football? Uh, oh, 
Wagner, Bobby, Bobby Wagner. Wagner, Bobby, Bobby Wagner. Wagner. So yeah. we were always yeah, joking. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were always joke about that, right? And um, but you know, I'm really good friends with a couple UConn guys. Uh, but uh, Rudy Gay is uh, one of my good friends, and you know, I heard there was some. Uh, you know, so at Arizona, it was we got carte blanche on a court time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we would. We would switch. We would go later from time to time with the women's team, but it was even the volleyball coach would say, "I know who play, pays the bills around here." So yeah. you guys get to say what time practices. Oh, Rudy say, <laughs> right? So Rudy didn't say anything, but he did say that Calhoun and uh, Gino would could bump heads on who run who runs stores, and so Yo, that's tough. Bro. That's, probably, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough. super. That's super. Really. I just, you know, they, they coexisted and I actually, I actually have a good relationship. You know, um, I tore my ACL my freshman year. So I re I was just in the training room the whole time mm-hmm. and, uh, coach Calhoun worked out in there every like lunchtime or whatever. So he and I became like homies. He'd be like on the, on the Versa climber. I was on like the bike and we became homies. That was like my guy, my freshman year, but him and coach Ariama, they had like a complex relationship, I think. So who ran who ran stores? Ah, I mean, how like how does anyone pick this? Um, Stop, Gino ran it, bro. Like you, back in the day, everybody was screaming UConn women's basketball, dog. It was Gino's campus. It's not even close. Diana Taurasi. Around that time, I was a kid in the city. Gino was a big name. He's yeah, he still is. He still is. It's it's kind of like the LeBron. It's kind of like the LeBron Jordan argument. Like at some point, everyone. It's just easier to be like. Jordan won six times, so it's Jordan. Like, Coach Ram has 11, y'all. It ain't the same. 11. It ain't the same at it all. It ain't the same. Like, you're talking about Jordan no, no, and LeBron. Saying. We're like, it's not the same. <laughs> so this isn't a good yeah. analogy. No, if you saying, say Bron, cha- Kobe. the championships. If you say Bron, Kobe, they both got five. Yeah, they both got five. No, I'm saying, you you pick. I'm just saying, if you, if it's hard to pick, go by the number of championships. Okay, all right, all right. Yes, That's ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You are right. Well, you, My well, apologies. So... You know, well, take us back to the early start of like, you know, me and Diana Tarazi, but, uh, you know, what it was like because the game of women's basketball pretty much went with, you know, you all's journey because you guys were, you know, right time, right moment. You guys were able to have, you know, lightning strike twice with all the success you had and going from there of, you know, leaving there to being, you know, a NBA all-star, a WNBA all-star starter as a rookie. Talk about like that journey of, uh, you know, kind of see it become this big little thing of yours. Yeah, it's been crazy because I feel really lucky that I played as long as I did because I kind of got to see it. Like when I was in college, like you said, like we were a big deal. Like even the the final four this past year, they broke the record for viewership. And um, we were looking up numbers as we were covering that finals game. And it's crazy because I think the record for viewership prior to that was my senior year. Mm. And like, I want to say the record for attendance is still my senior year. And so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to think about it in that way, because when I was coming out of college, like UConn women's basketball, like it was a big deal. And for probably 15 plus years of my career, up until the last couple of years, I was, I've been, people connect me with UConn more than the WNBA or they had, you know, like people would maybe see me on the street. Like, oh, I loved you at Connecticut. What are you doing in Seattle? <laughs> like, no, that's my team's here, dog. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, like the 
Yeah, that's like the backhanded compliment I get. They were like, yo, Evan Turner, I fuck with you at Ohio State and legit just ignore the rest the of my whole career. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so it was weird, like, coming into the WNBA. The WNBA was still on a little bit of the mm-hmm. we got next high, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Lisa Leslie, Cheryl mm-hmm. Soup starting the league. But it, it started to sadly, like, plateau a little bit. And it kind of, mm-hmm. like, hit a lull for, for many years. And so to play as long as I did, to now see it come back around – where it's, it's got momentum, it's got hype to it. Um, and I would definitely say the last couple of years, I'm definitely getting more love for being a WNBA player than for being a UConn player. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I have like felt and seen that change. That's, that's, that's pretty special. I'm really glad I got to experience that. Now, I, I was going to uh, go further into, you know, I'm, I'm part of the union. You know, I was vice president uh for many, many years. And we've had a lot of conversations, discussions about, you know, uh, what are different ways that, you know, we can help in any way uh, possible or be of value. It's like a board seat for the W. And Mm -hmm. so I want you to put on your commissioner's hat, you know. um, I got a question about the NBA too. I hope you can fix because we got a big problem ourselves. But what are some things you feel like, has been has been instituted as of recently that's been helping and some things you think would um, further the interest and, and, you know, help with the viewership with the league as well? Yeah, I think for a while, the biggest, um, one of the biggest hurdles with the WNBA was just like the optics of it, like the word on the street about the league. Like there was this like word on the street, they're all poor, you know, word on the street, like, the game is bad. We're not, it was like all of these narratives were just being told and they were not accurate. You know, like anytime someone would post something about, it's like anytime they post something, we'll use the NBA. It's easy. Nobody says about the NBA, like what the lowest paid player is making. They'll just tell you what the highest paid player is making. Mm-hmm. And there was like something with our league where all they wanted to focus on was the minimum salary and never wanted to talk about the maximum salary. Not that the max at that time was that high or anything, but it was just this weird, like just the storylines were getting, were always negative or always, if there was a spectrum, always at the low end of the spectrum. And so I think in the, in the last CBA, we really wanted to try to change that, you know, because the realities are different, right? Some of the realities financially have to do with all of us playing overseas. Like that's where I made 90% of my money probably. But at the same time to have people speak, like on your salary in a negative way was weird because it Mm -hmm. wasn't like the reality of our lives. Mm -hmm. So we really want to change the optics. And a big part of that, I think, is trying to encourage people to have like genuine, authentic relationships to the WNBA, like actually watch it. Because like for you guys at the NBA, it does matter when you speak on on the WNBA or like if you watch a game or if you go to a game, like it does matter because that's the optics part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. The same way, like when celebrities go to NBA games, like it matters. Like people are like, Oh shit. So-and-so is at that yeah. game, mm-hmm. you know? So that was definitely something um, we just wanted to try to change different storylines and narratives. One of the big ones is the the financial piece of it. And, and we were able to like bump the max up. Yep. Got it from like 110 to like 220. And that was just in year one. So it'll continue to go up. Um, and in a lot of ways, if a WNBA player stays home and kind of cashes out on all the different off the court opportunities too, they can make like half a million dollars, you know? Oh. And then the other thing is like, just cause I don't make LeBron money doesn't 
I mean, I'm poor. Like nobody makes LeBron money. Not even me. But yeah. I, I get that all the time. Friends would be like, well, Le- Le- LeBron bought his friend a car or LeBron got this. I always yeah. tease my friend. He used to be like, LeBron got office space for his friends. I'd be like, LeBron got LeBron money. Yeah. <laughs> you dealing with my money. There ain't no office space. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's interesting, like different optics. Meanwhile, obviously you make a lot of money. And by the way, not that it's all about the money, but it's just like, that's what people, that's how people value stuff. You value things like with the, with the dollar sign. So, um, that was like a big piece in our CBA, but just one of like, a, like many big pieces. Yeah. Well, you went tons of places to play, obviously NCAA, Storm Olympics five times and, you know, overseas. What was your most favorite memorable season and also your toughest championship to win? Like what's one thing, one trophy you grab or ring you grab and you're like, yo, this was the one that made me do like a a crazy cry. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, was it a win versus Diana in any sense or like a sweet (laughs) moment? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so the 2018 ring that we won here, we had started, you know, we had a lot of success and we started a rebuild just a couple of years before that. And that rebuild went on like the fast track because we drafted your girl, Jewel, in 2015 yeah. and then Stewie Gold in 2016. Mamba. Go mom, yep. So now we have this like young kind of like foundation that we can, whatever. But still, like all of a sudden it's 2018. I want to say that year, preseason, we got picked to finish like, you know, out of 12 teams, we got picked to finish like seventh or eighth expectations were not great and we go on to like win the west and win the whole thing so for me being like the older player on the team um to go through a rebuild that fast and get to the other side and actually win i think that championship will always have like a special place in my heart it just so happens that we did beat phoenix and diana in like a decisive game five it was a five game series um in the semis to go to the finals so you know kind of it's like a nice little cherry on top um so I think that one is the one that stands out. But then there's a couple, you know, in the Olympics, in Russia, because it's it's different. It's like it's like a grind. Some of these yeah. games you had to like really grind. And the difference is it's like college, it's one and done. So when you play in Euroleague, those are like final four games. Mm-hmm. Like you go to a yeah. final four and it's you have one, it's not a series. And can you imagine? I mean, it's kind of like the play in now, but can you imagine you're playing the NBA Finals and it's one game? One game. For professionals? Oh, yeah. Like, it's so yeah. close. Yeah. You're scratching, you know, like and, you're scratching and clawing. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. You probably, you probably get a fair whistle, though. So that's the, that's the benefit of it. You get a fair oh, whistle. Yeah. They don't yeah. try to take it to six, seven games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing with these two refs. That once I retire, I'm on them. But, to <laughs> I'm on it here when I'm retired. Um, oh, I, I, I've been wanting to ask this for a while. You know, um, I listen to a lot of, uh, you know, it's a business breakdown podcast and it's another podcast called Acquired, where it's just basically business uh, pods on, you know, uh, you know, profit and loss sheets, you know, uh, you know, caggers and uh, margins and, you know, different ways the companies from, you know, inception from the, the thought of starting a company all the way to present time. And it goes from companies like Google all the way to companies like, you know, uh, Disney and Sports Illustrated, different things. So. But I had a question in terms of because we did the, I did the NFL podcast that was incredible NBA one I think Evan and I are going to do the WNBA one we're going to mark our words so we're going to do a deep dive on it just to you know how the league was built the financials of it because it's, it's a oh, subsidiary yeah. it's a subsidiary of the NBA actually you know yeah. it sits underneath it so uh, I'm sure we can get the information we need but my question is more 
overseas. You see, like you said before, 90% of the money made is overseas. So I, mean, I was I always. Right number. I was well, I mean, but you get well, 67. I've had conversations with Simone Augustus, who was uh, probably one of my favorite players, my second favorite player all time after Maya Moore. And uh, she was like Carmelo Anthony to me, you know, just the way she could score the ball. Yeah. And um, I remember hanging out with her one night in Philly and she was saying, you know, she makes, you know, double, triple what she makes in a W overseas. Mm -hmm. And so I always was interested in the financials and how the leagues work, the funding, you know, uh, TV rights, uh, the, the, the ticket sales. And so did you ever go that deep into uh, the leagues that you play for? And, you know, do you ever talk about why you have so much success financially overseas as opposed to here in the U.S.? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, so overseas does not operate the business model is not what we have come to know in the U S of like how sports leagues work. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's not even in the same, it's just different. And the way it usually works over there. And I played in Russia my entire career. I played for three different teams. Um, and while the models were like subtly different, there was a lot of similarities. Um, some of it was as simple. And I'm not even joking as just like someone had a lot of money and liked women's basketball. Yeah. All the Glarks, right? Yeah, like a lot I mean, of oligarchs yeah. over there. Oligarch part probably didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but literally, you know, like one of the owners that I played for, um, he the way he, he was actually quoted in an article once saying this. I thought it was great, but we talked about it. He was like, "Listen, I'm rich. I have a ton of money, and some rich people like to buy cars, and they have thirty cars, and some people like to buy, you know, boats. Some people like to gamble. Some people like to invest in wine." right? All things that are just like enjoyable for them. He was like, I like women's basketball and I want to have the best team. So I'm going to invest in that. It wasn't about ticket sales. It wasn't about Jersey sales. I don't even know if our games were on TV. Like there was no TV deal. It wasn't like that at all. But overseas, like I said, the models also include like government plays a role. So in Russia, government and sport are really close, right? That's why, have you ever seen that documentary, uh, Icarus? Yep. Yeah. It's like yep. the government is involved Yep. like financially and in other ways. Um, that's Russia. Then if you look at a country like Turkey, right. If you ever, love Turkey. About Turkey, yeah. So like Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, like these are huge clubs, almost like how college is for us. Okay. Right. Like college is like this huge institution that has all these sports underneath. And it's like all the money is kind of just going into this pot. And it trickles down. That's kind of how some of these other clubs work in Europe. So it's not, it's not the women's team doesn't get paid because they pulled in X right. amount of revenue. It's just, there's money in a pot. They want to have a good team. So they pay you to come. So it's not, it's like not the same at all. So when you ask, why do you think you made more money over there? It was like this free market where if someone had a lot of money and liked women's basketball, they invested in it and you got paid like period. So, so, so and then it became you, like a pissing contest amongst the owners who can yeah. have the better team. And that's yeah. when you start to be able to like, have the bidding wars of it all. Would you ever go back to Russia, you know, post Britney Griner incident? I mean, not while, I mean, not while there's still a war going on for sure. Um, yeah. Would I ever go ever? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. That's tough. Mm. And I, and like, yeah. I, you know, I say that I have a special place in my heart. I have, I've, I spent 10 years of my life there. Yeah. You know, I have friends there still. Um, 
So it's not just like a country to me. It was home for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But given the politics of it all, given how Britney was treated, um, no. Nah. Last question before I have to let you go, because this is all this is all everyone wants to talk about uh, in our sports, which I hate the top five, the number one. Well, Michael Jordan's the best ever. Then y'all can argue all you want. But okay. for you, I uh, would love because you're in there. You don't have to, but you're in there. Uh, give me your top five all-time women's hoopers. Man, my answer changes all the time. Um, so Diana Taurasi, Maya Moore, couldn't agree with you more on Maya. Um, um, they're in there for sure. Um, sometimes I put Stewie, Brianna Stewart in there. Sometimes I don't, only because she's like current. She just like went crazy. Yeah, but you can't, this can't be a UConn starting five, though. Yeah, I know. That's, and and it's not? like, but tell me where I'm wrong. Like, tell me. No, no you're right. Just put They're Shamika in there. Shamika Holeslaw. Those three, it's going to, you're going to be arguing about them the same way you argue about like Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, for sure. Yeah. Um, so today we'll put her in there. Uh, Lauren Jackson. She's from Australia. She's my okay. long time. Oh, I know Lauren Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Yep. She's tough. Top five mm-hmm. for sure. People forget mm-hmm. top five for sure. And then um, I guess that's four. This is where uh, Cheryl was cold too. I was gonna say Lisa Cheryl, and not a sleeper, not a sleeper. But I loved playing with Tina Thompson. Oh yeah, I loved Queen, playing with Tina Thompson. Queen Tina, she was the and best. Cynthia was cold too. Cynthia Cooper, Lady yeah, Jordan Cynthia was cold. Yeah, yeah, Cynthia. So I only played against Cynthia once, and honestly, for her, she didn't. She was like already in her thirties when the WNBA started. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. It's like, her and Teresa Weatherspoon. Yep, Teresa Weatherspoon. Teresa Teresa Weatherspoon. Weatherspoon. I think I'll, today, today I'm feeling guard happy, so we'll go Cheryl Soups for my fifth spot. Sure. Okay, I got but it might be Lisa tomorrow. You know. Yes, 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 yes. Well, we we truly thank you for the time. Uh, We know you're short. You know, you got a lot going on. Please, please, please. Um, I did something with Megan in the uh, Palm Springs Desert, California. We did a uh, talk together for... uh, um, it was a VC firm, one of okay. the top ones. And uh, just please let her know that the Bay Area is coming with the National Women's Soccer League team. We got the um, Fanchon team. Huh? Okay. And uh, we'll be unveiling. Well, we're, we're already done now. No, we, no, we already, no, no, we're not cutting this. We're putting this okay. on here. But tell her we're coming. And uh, I'm super excited for the league. I'm super excited for everything uh, that is coming to our women uh, rightfully sold NIL deals, college. You see what happened with the Final Four, most viewed ever. You know, you were you've been a part of that trailblazing. The, the W E T and I are planning to be at the All Star Game this year. Super excited about that. Um, so uh, everything that's supposed to be coming your way, we we hope it continues to come in tenfold. So uh, really wanted to say, you know, give you your flowers on what you've done for women's sports and how you become an advocate and, and equality and equal rights and uh, many blessings to you in the future as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been fun. Hopefully I'll see I'll see you guys. It sounds like I'll see you in Vegas. No, we're going to pull up on you. We're just going to be popping up on you everywhere. Okay, we're going to so be I'll at the soccer games. Yes, for sure. For definitely sure. All, all right, perfect. Thank all you right. for having me. Thank you for your time. See you guys.